Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Xvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. Did you know that only 13% of salespeople worldwide think they get helpful coaching from their sales leaders, but 83% of the leaders of these reps think they are awesome at coaching? Head to xvoyant.com for the world's largest sales leadership resource center. Discover best practices in sales leadership, common pitfalls to avoid, and learn how to become a legendary sales leader with every rep on your team. Xvoyant will help you move past focusing only on your number and is your partner to start building a dominant sales dynasty. The Xvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will create new normals with every single rep on your team. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Xvoyant can help you create a sales dynasty faster than you ever thought possible. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Brandon Bernanson, founder and CEO of Seamless.ai. Seamless helps companies maximize sales by delivering the world's best sales leads. They find email, cell phones, everything you need to acquire new customers through the power of artificial intelligence. Now, before starting Seamless, Brandon's been a serial salesperson. He's the founder of multiple million-dollar high-growth companies. He speaks around the world on how to drive growth with sales organizations of every kind. He's run sales for startups, all the way to large enterprise teams at iconic companies like IBM and Google, and everything in between. I'm so excited to have Brandon join us today and to dive into his story, and most importantly, his approach for getting into high-growth mode and staying there. Brandon. Welcome to our show, and thank you for joining us. Hey, Rob, what's going on? Thrilled to be here for the Sales Leadership Podcast. Been a listener for a very long time, and honored and humbled to be here today. You're gonna you're gonna bring the fire. That's one of the things I love about you, man. I love how authentic you are. I love the energy that you bring. And with our listeners today, they're in for a treat. So thank you for joining us. And before we start diving into how you do things, um, I want to get into a little bit about just who you are, kind of your kind of your baseball card, if you would. Um, I know that Seamless is blowing up. Probably most of our listeners know who you are and who Seamless is. But for those people who, who for whatever reason but don't, can you introduce us to Seamless? Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, and we appreciate anyone that, that, that's been following the company or following what we've been posting everywhere. But uh, I'm Brandon Bornanson, CEO and founder of Seamless.ai. Uh, formerly, I was selling for IBM and Google in enterprise sales, running a team of 10 and 20. And um, I found out that my team and I spent over six figures for sales databases. And uh, we we bought these expensive sales databases, right? And I had to sell to the Fortune 500 digital marketers. So after I write this massive check, I buy the database, 
we go in there and my sales team is complaining and bitching that they don't have any of the digital marketers, the VPs, directors of, of marketing that they need to sell to. And I'm like, you know, shit, like that's not good. My ass is on the line yep. because I just wrote this big check. So um, I, I worked with all the engineers at, at Google and IBM and in my network to build a search engine that would find everyone that we needed to sell to. And then we used the same AI technology that IBM uses to research, validate, and verify email, cell phones, and insights for all these people that we need to sell to. And it was really to, to not get fired, to build this platform so that my whole team and I have everyone we need to sell to. And then we ended up 10Xing the revenue. Nice. I became a, a multimillionaire in sales, which I've never done in sales before. And uh, then I realized if I could do it, I'm not that smart or special. People like Rob in the world could do it. So decided to quit selling for Google and take all the money I made with my team and I to, to build seamless from the ground up to help the world connect to opportunity faster than ever before. I love it. And I can't wait to get into how you've had so much success. Cause you have, you guys are blowing up. I, I'm super impressed with how fast you've been growing and really how your brand and your presence has, is it's everywhere. And I'm super excited to dive into that, but you, you touched on something, Brandon, I don't want to blow past this. This is one of the things our listeners always love. They reach out to me all the time. And they say, hey, make sure you get more of the story on, on how did these people get to the point where they're leading high, high growth sales teams. And so you've done it you're, right now. You've done it as a founder. You're, you're helping run sales for your company you have, but you also have this awesome experience of working with a number of different kind of sales orgs. How'd you get into sales and how did you've, you've shared how it led you to starting seamless? I love that, but you have one of my favorite stories, man. I uh, I would love it if you'd share your story on what made you realize sales was the place you want to be. Yeah, I, I mean it, it's crazy. I got I got really like I went through some some bad stuff that that led to some good stuff. Um, you know, my my mom and dad uh, were super poor. They worked four jobs. Mom was a, a a banker during the day and a grocery store cashier at night. My dad worked in construction during the day and then at computer hardware at Macy's selling Apple computers in the Macy's retail store. So my parents, they didn't have college degrees. Um, they just worked really hard. You know, I would say they worked hard, not always the smarter. They worked harder, not smarter. But um, luckily, my dad was selling uh, Apple computers at Macy's as the Apple one and two. A sales wow. executive at CA Technologies went into Macy's, was buying a computer from my dad, was really impressed with his sales approach offered him a sales internship at a small startup called CA Technologies. My dad decided to take the job at CA Technologies. He went from sales intern, which was like the bottom of the barrel dog shit, you know, position yep. and worked up until for, for over a decade to become the VP of sales, took CA Technologies to the first company to do over a billion in revenue, first computer software company to do a billion in sales. And I saw my life go from super poor, like, Garage sale shopping, like you know, janky clothes, <laughs> eating uh, cans of food every night to like then over 10 years go from like we're eating every dinner out. We live in a mansion. So I just saw my life with my dad. You know, my mom didn't have to work anymore. Go from poor to rich because of sales. And I just knew I had to go into sales. So then when I was ready for college, I picked a Ohio University. Number one, it had no Buckeyes, right? Yeah, exactly. It had uh, the only sales school in my state, and it was also the number one party school, so I figured it was like a mix of both. 
uh, nice. sales and uh, fun. <laughs> and then luckily when I got there, uh, I was a big online gambler in poker and uh, ended up launching an online marketing and sales company for, uh, for the poker industry. And, you know, from there, you know, built a, a company that did 10 million in sales from freshman to junior year. Then they made online gambling illegal. Like, and that was like, uh, right when I got into the, the, the startup as an 18 year old, I was knocking on door to door, signing students up to join party poker and full tail poker. Got paid $150 per person that I signed up. That's amazing. So I would, I would take $50, go to your room, give you 50 bucks, get your credit card, sign you up, made a hundred bucks profit. Yep. So then I just went door to door at all the dorm rooms. Then I had to go to other dorms. Then I had to like go to other colleges. So I created a bunch of websites, Google ads. And then that, that first year I did a million, that second year I did 3 million, that third year as a junior did 10, uh, 6 million, sorry. So one, three and six. Uh, that doesn't suck. No, no. I mean, taking it online was a game changer. You know, I, I had everything I ever wanted, you know, Mercedes hardtop convertible at the age of 18, a, uh, a house in Florida at the age of 18. I paid off my college, wow. uh, you know, like cash college was paid for parents didn't have to worry about it. So I got really lucky um, to be in the right market with a lot of hard work and sales at the beginning. But, but the problem with that, right? So when you do, when you go into sales and you launch your own company or whatever, and you have that level of success so young, you become egotistical and you think <laughs> you know everything. So uh, 2007, President Bush launches the uh, Safe Harbor Act, which makes online gambling illegal. So I didn't lose any money. The market just stopped. So I had to launch a second company. So I took all my cash. Online gambling was over. I launched a social network called College Demand, which was supposed to be the next big Facebook. Like I, like Facebook wasn't on my campus yet. I was launching College Demand. It was going to be the big social network. But then Facebook came to my college. So I had to shut down College Demand. And then I launched this text message marketing company. And for the next three years, I ran this text message marketing company called InMobile. And I could barely sell it to any enterprise companies over those three years. And wow. uh, got my ass kicked, lost millions, and then sold that company to a publicly traded company for like 50K. So I lost everything I owned, barely made any money, sold it. And then after running that for, for three to four years and selling it, I was like, I got to get out of mobile. No one's buying anything in text message marketing. And uh, my, a few of my partners who ran the companies that we built in college, went to IBM Interactive. They recruited me to do sales for IBM, and then I sold for IBM for three years, and then I had an opportunity to sell for Google, and it was when I was selling for Google, you know, I realized uh, tra high transactional software sales, and um, I had to sell to every company that was spending on, on AdWords. So then I built Seamless to automate all the endless list building, prospecting, CRM data entry, uh, and that's when, you know, 10X my income, made a million dollars in sales for the first time as a salesperson, um, not my quota, like actual income. And that's when I realized, like, I could keep doing this and keep Seamless as my secret weapon. Or, you know, I'm a big, like, purpose-driven servant leader. I feel like that's how you make the most amount of money, um, by helping other people make a lot of money. So I just realized I could make a big impact on the world by going full-time on helping people, you know, find everyone that they need to sell to instantly. Yeah. So I, 
I love this. I freaking love it. You're firing up me up hearing this story, man. I'm, I'm burning up a page with notes already of stuff I want to talk to you about just from hearing your story. So thank you for sharing that, man. I got to ask you, how old were you when you saw your dad make that transformation at CA, this little startup that, uh, that you may have heard of called Computer Associates? Yeah. So, uh, man, I was, I, I just remember being in grade school, like, wow. uh, being in grade school, I was just always the kid that was made fun of, you know, my mom, like would get the cheapest clothes, like extra large shirts when I was like a small, right. And she, cause like whatever she could find at a garage sale was what I got to wear. And like, I always had the shitty shoes and I remember all the cool kids had the Nikes and the Reeboks and the, like just all the sick gear. And I was just grade school. I was always made fun of super poor. And then right when we got into high school, like my freshman, sophomore year, like, cause like my dad probably joined when I was in like seventh or eighth grade. And then you just saw like the next five to 10 years of transformation. So by the time I got into high school, it was like, okay, we kept moving houses every four years. Like we just kept upgrading boom, 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 because my father kept crushing it at CA as an account executive and then as a director and then as a VP. So by the time we were, you know, by the time I was a, a sophomore, junior, senior in, in high school was when we we lived in a massive mansion next to all the football players. I, I live next to uh, Omar Vizquel, who is the big baseball player. Yeah. For the Indians. I, ne- I live next to – he's getting a bad rap right now. Winslow, the Browns player. Yeah. Right now he's so much shit um, <laughs> on the news. But he would literally – I had Omar Vizquel as my neighbor. I had uh, Winslow. And then I also had um, one of the the quarterbacks for the Browns awesome. in our neighborhood. So that's when I saw it. And that's when I'm like, I don't want to become a doctor or a lawyer. Like I want to go into sales. Cause like if my dad could do it with no college degree, I knew I could do it. See, and, and that's why I love what you're saying, dude, because most of the guests that we have on myself included most, I would say, 99, you're the first one. 100% of the people prior to talking to you, they always tell me that they found sales uh, as they were just kind of going through their career. It was like found it, accidentally involved, and intentionally successful. You're telling me that you had the benefit of learning earlier in life, I know sales is for me, and I'm going to figure out how to be as good at it as I can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, shit, who doesn't want that type of lifestyle, right? You, yep. Who doesn't want the cars, the house, the money, the dinners? And uh, that that's when I, yeah, I, I just got, you know, I got lucky because my dad worked his ass off in sales. And um, my, my dad and mom were never like, yeah, I think a lot of people out there, uh, they look down upon sales because they're uneducated. You know, I mean, it's just dumb. If you look at all the billionaires, they're all salespeople. You look at all the top entrepreneurs, they're all salespeople. If you look at the careers that make the most amount of money in the world, you stack rank the salespeople to the doctors and the lawyers and the engineers. I 100% salespeople are the top earners in the world. Yep. Now you said something else, Brandon, that I want to shift into right now because this is the meat that like I didn't expect to go here, but you said something that I love. And it is absolutely in the spirit of what we're doing on this podcast. So as you know, we're talking to sales leaders and people who aspire to be sales leaders. And you said something. You said, man, when I was, when I was running the sales team at, at IBM, you had your, your first time where you made 
over a million dollars just in your part, not just, not your quota, that's what you made, but you realize that the secret to real success was when you made tons of other people around you successful rather than just you being successful. I loved how you said that. You said it better than I said it, um, but I wrote that down. I want to talk about that. How did you get to that realization? And then more important, how, how, how do you do that? I mean, I love one of the things about you, dude, is you are an all-in guy, man. I watch your videos. I listen to you now. I, I follow your content. I'm one of those guys that follows everything you put out. You don't screw around. You're not doing this just for a job. You are all in, but it sounds like you're all in on helping other people win. That's a pretty insightful shift. How did you do, how did you get that? And then more important, how do you do that? Yeah, no, great question. So at IBM, it wasn't at IBM where I had it. So at IBM, I was a sales executive that was just obsessed with making as much commission as possible and closing deals uh, under any circumstance. And but but then when I went and sold for Google, I was Google. Sorry, man. Yeah, no, all good. Like Google was all about servant leadership, and like I remember I got yelled at by my my chief revenue officer at the time. Because uh, a deal went south and I was bitching at my team members, like putting them down because IBM, it's like dog eat dog, you know, IBM interactive. It's like you do anything good, your superiors are going to take the win that that they did it all, right? If anything bad happens, it was on you. And this is a good sales leadership example. The worst leaders will take, will take ownership in the wins. And we'll, we'll put on responsibility for the failures to their team. When I went to Google, it was all about being a servant leader and being a servant leader to your team and being a servant leader to your customers. And I got yelled at first, first month on the job. They're like, Brandon, you lost that deal because of you, not because of your team, not because of the product, because of you. And you need to change your attitude. You need to change your mindset because that may that may have been how shit was ran at, at IBM. That's not how it's ran here at Google yep. and selling for, for the Google agency. So I just realized like, okay, like I was part of a toxic culture and no offense to IBM. It was just the team that I was on. Like this doesn't categorize IBM as a whole, just the team at the time with what we were selling. That's just how it was. And I don't like bullshit stories. So I just say my, I document what I, what I experience. So then when I go to Google, they teach me to, to assume responsibility for everything. And, um, I just realized like I started shifting my mind from, from making as much commission as possible to like, how do I help my customers make as much money as possible? Like, you know, I think it's the new like gap selling. It's the new challenger sale. And then I just stopped thinking about the money that I would make and I tie it to like, if I don't sell this Google ad deal to this marketer who may spend their money on something else like radio, TV with another advertiser and she doesn't pull the return and ROI that I know I can deliver, she's going to lose her job. Their marketing team is going to get laid off. That means she won't be able to buy her kid's college, her, pay for the mortgage of her house. They're going to live on the streets. And like, I just tied this like crazy servant leadership mentality for the deal. I love it. To like, it was either a massive win for the prospect. And that's why I needed to to get that deal done to help the prospect have these massive gains or, you know, remove the pain and the massive losses that they would experience. If I don't do a good enough job on my end to convince them that this is exactly what they need, because I know the returns that it's going to deliver for them. So I had this like all in belief 
uh, servant leadership mentality. And that, that was the biggest change, like having seamless and this all in, I will die to help my prospects make sure that they do what's right to maximize their success mentality because of the consequences or the gains that they'll experience. Uh, that, that probably is what 10 X my income. So that's a big shift, dude, to go from what you described when you first got to Google, that you know, they pulled you aside and said, dude, this is on you, not on them to a point where, uh, you got people inspired by your, by your leadership rather than just like, I guess, driven by your leadership. That's, that's a big change. And I work with sales leaders around the world. We, we work with a ton of them. And I got to tell you, that's, that's a change that I think is easy to talk about, but hard to do. How did you do that? I mean, did you have to have a different awareness that I literally have to engage my people different? You talk about the servant leadership. Were you aware that like the way I was isn't good enough and I have to do this? Can you talk a little bit about how you went through making that mindset change and maybe some of the things you had to do to make it so that became who you were rather than just something you did. Yeah. You know, I was, I was leading an enterprise sales team of, of 10 to 20 when I was selling for Google and uh, you know, it, it was kind of like, I just started studying all these massive companies, you know, and I, I was reading a lot, great by choice, good to great principles. Um, I was studying a lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs that, just had massive like saster style growth and they all tied to playing the long game. It tied to doing what is always like right and, and caring and obsessing over the customers. Like you look at Amazon, you look at Google, you look at all these massive companies that have generated record returns and record growth. And they have this like crazy empathy and obsession over customers' success and customer results. Like Google, they just had this obsession with making search as simple as possible to deliver the best search results for the customer. Like Apple, the insane obsession of like building a product that customers are so obsessed with because it delivers so much happiness to them by making the UX and UI so simple and the product so simple. And I just realized like we need to do that I need to be as obsessed with the customer's results with my product. And I just, I sold myself on the product and by selling myself on the product, I was able to also sell myself on the results that it would deliver to the customer. And then I knew that if the customer would do anything else other than work with me and my company, they would, it would change their life for the worse forever. And that, that you really had to sell it internally and externally um, but it was a lot of reading and a lot of studying like the great companies and the great management books out there, I believe to really do it. So then let's take it one step farther because I love your journey. And what I love is how you're, you're cause your story is not that different than mine. My first time that I was a sales leader, I, I sucked, dude. I, I, I was, it was positional leadership only. I had the title, but not the permission from the reps. If that makes sense. They had the, I was there cause so you know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude, it's it's so hard. No, there's no like, you you don't know, right? Because like, what works for you doesn't work for everyone. And uh, it, it, sales management is one of the hardest jobs in the world, I believe, out there. Without a doubt. So we got a whole bunch of people listening to you right now. Um, what advice do you give someone? First of all, how how do you know if you need to make that shift? And second of all, any pointers you give them on how you become that leader that people actually 
give permission to follow rather than follow because I have to? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 we have a, a 99% retention rate on our sales team. And, I mean, we're a startup, right, 50 people. But the only people that leave my company in sales is because they, they, get, they get let go because they didn't perform. And luckily, we don't have a lot of people that we have to let go. But, but I had, the, um, I had the, the luck to work at a company that did absolutely nothing for me. It was like you're hired. Now go generate tens of millions of dollars selling you know seven figure deals you know for big blue ibm and i i came into ibm and and is like you don't get anything like we're not going to give you any training we're not going to give you any sales strategy we're not going to give you anything like here's a like, phone right they say here's your phone get going literally like like yeah. here's a list you need to sell to the fortune 500 companies that are spending a lot in online marketing and they need to go with us to manage their website social media mobile experience and deals go from 1 million to 25 million. Good luck. It's like that sales leaders that do that, like, Oh, you will not be successful over the long term. And then I just had a really great experience at a young age after I did my two companies to where like I was given nothing and I had to do whatever it takes to be successful. That's the slow way to drive sales growth. That's the dumb way to drive sales growth. Then I went to Google and I had to build a really big team. And I'm like, okay, IBM, they did nothing for me. Like, what did I need? I needed sales scripts. I needed call scripts, email scripts, social scripts. I needed to know all the decks. I needed all the case studies. I needed to know all the sales objection scripts. I'm not interested. It's too expensive. Already working with someone. Send me more info. So, like, I, I realized sales was a game of chess selling for IBM and Google. And, like, there is always the next best move to make, the next best play, the next best sales script. So I built a 1,500-page sales playbook for my team and I. Wow. And we literally had thousands of scripts for any situation in sales. And I, I assumed that responsibility. I was like, dude, this is what we're going to do. Here's every situation possible that you will run into in sales. And it is my responsibility to put this together and to train and give it to my sales team and coach them on it. So what I'm what I'm 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 writing these notes down, Brandon, and I'm listening to you. And so what I'm hearing you say, and tell me if I'm hearing you wrong, I'm hearing you say that you went from like looking out the window. So when you came to that situation, you're pointing your finger out the window and you're kind of saying, Hey, you better do this or else. It's always you better, you better, you better. And you went to looking in the mirror saying, I better, I better, I better. What can I do to help? Is am I hearing you right that that was a big part of that shift is going from looking out the window to looking in the mirror? Yeah, thousand, thousand percent. I the minute you realize that everything good or bad that happens to you in sales as a sales leader is because of you, and you stop making excuses and you stop pointing figures and you just look <clears> yourself <throat> in the mirror and you realize like the success and failure starts with you and ends with the team. Like you just changed the way that you behave. And I knew I wanted to become a, a, a multimillionaire in sales because like I left entrepreneurship and I'm like, I'm never going back to being an entrepreneur. So then the only way for me to make a lot of money is to master this sales game, build a big sales team and drive hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. And I was like, okay, well, what's the quickest way to hire, train, coach, and build this highly predictable, scalable, repeatable sales team? I'm like, they need to know everything to say in every selling situation. And they need to know what to do from 
prospecting in inside sales to pitching to closing to outside sales. Literally, like, what is the perfect demo? Slide for slide, word for word, what is the perfect demo? What is the perfect sales discovery questions? Like, I'm a big believer in, like, people that say sales scripts and, like, they're like, oh, you can't do sales scripts. You sound like a robot. I'm like, you're full of shit. Every single video that you see on the TV in in theaters right now, 100% is fully scripted. 100%. I agree. Yep. Like, so I'm like, I realize, like, life in sales is a script and a game of chess. Like, there's all these plays that you can make in sales to to checkmate and win the deal. And it's got to all be documented. And it's got to all be A-B tested. And it's got to all be written and optimized over time to be perfect. And I just created the perfect repeatable enterprise sales system for, for selling Google. And, um, and like we crushed it. And then I took that 1500 page playbook and used it. You know, I, I customized it for when we launched seamless. And that's how we went from, from zero to, to millions of dollars in sales at seamless in less than 12 months. And now we're helping 21, you know, thousand companies. Uh, and my sales team went from zero to 20 in less than 12 months because you know, we had the playbook, we, we wrote all the content, we wrote all the 200 training module recorded course. Like we just assume responsibility for everything. So I, one of the things that I just wrote down again was everything. So like, is that part of your culture? Like everything matters. You look in the mirror on everything. I mean, tell me a little bit about where that fits. If there were like three or four non-negotiables for a sales leader, again, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about our sales leaders that are listening to you. This, it sounds like it's pretty natural to you now. You've kind of got your blueprint of how you do this. How does this concept of everything matters, get everything right, and you look in the mirror on everything, how does that apply to your blueprint of your top three or four non-negotiables if someone wants to try and, and have the kind of success you've had? Yeah, I I think the the number one thing is like you have to care about the success of your team and about the success of your customers. Like, my team knows that I'm available seven days a week. Like I'm not saying all sales leaders need to be like that, you know, and I'm the founder of the company. So I, I better be like that. But um, like I wholeheartedly give a shit about my team. I was going to say that dude, you are embodying that you got to give a shit. It's not just, you got to give a shit about results. It's about all of it. Right? Like if I see my team members like eating bad, not working out, like losing in their health game, I coach them on that. Like I coach them not professionally, but like I coach them personally and professionally to maximize their potential in and outside of the company. Because like, I know I want everyone that comes into the company, whether they stay here or they go, I want them to leave seamless knowing that it was one of the best experiences of their life because I know that they'll become a customer or an affiliate or a partner or a new, you know, team member in the future to where like my, my management team and I, we just wholeheartedly care so much about the success of our team and the success of our customers. Like number one, you have to care. And like at, at first now I'm, I'm going four years into it. Like at first I was a micromanager where like I had my hands in everything. Yeah. And like to scale, you can't do that. But you know, the, the framework of stuff you have to care about, like what are the dashboards and the KPIs that you need to track? Like what doesn't get tracked gets measured. Like we measure every activity every single day in leaderboards in Salesforce. Like we're tracking calls, emails, social touches, 
video presence, you know, videos, yep. text messages, we're tracking meetings booked, meetings held, closed one, age of deals. Like we're tracking meetings booked to meeting held conversion rate, meeting held to close one conversion rates of A's. Like we're tracking length of time on demo. Like we're tracking all of it. But I believe like the KPIs are critical. And then I just reverse engineer. Yeah. What are the KPIs? Like I don't believe the game is won in, in a year. I believe like the game in sales is won every single day. Every day is a new d- game. And you have to go all out to win the game like Tom Brady wins for the Patriots. Like, it's it's a game every day. Like, you're at the Super Bowl every single day. And then what are the KPIs that you need to hit daily so that by the end of the year, you win the Super Bowl for the year? So you're playing for the Super Bowl every day. You're playing for it every year. The only way to win the Super Bowl by the end of the year is to win the Super Bowl every day. So we manage KPIs. The daily KPIs required to hit your annual goals. And I give my reps quotas, but I tell them, look, like, this is me defining your potential. Do you want me to define what you can accomplish? Because I know when Google gave me my quota, it was one-tenth what I generated. Yeah. I set records that have never been humanly done before because I said, Google, I appreciate you. Thank you for the quota. And thank you for underestimating my potential. I love that. Yeah, I, I love that. that. I'm like, I'm giving you a quota. I'm underestimating your abilities in the sales quota. And I think you should set it for A, however much you want to make. And B, I will work with you to figure out the people, resources, content, technology that you need to hit what you want to make and do and accomplish in your life. Okay, man, you're firing me up, and I could go deep on this, but you mentioned something else. I'm sorry that I'm shifting all the time, but I love your depth, man. Your depth is amazing, and I love it. Uh, you mentioned as the founder, I relate to that because we're in similar roles as founder and also still involved in helping run the sales team. How important is your leadership by example rather than by what you say? How important is that in building a great culture and a high growth team? I'm really interested in what your observations and what your point of view is on that one. Yeah, I I think it's critical. Uh, You know, I, again, it goes back to uh, comparing IBM and Google's sales leadership examples. Like my, my, my sales leaders, you know, when I was running a team for IBM, like it was Brandon figure it out, like no help, go figure it out. And then when I sold for, for Google and built a, that the 20 person team and my chief revenue officer was like, I will help support you do whatever it takes to win deals. And I just, I got lucky because Jeff, my mentor, who was also my boss at the time, he was the CRO. He, um, he did whatever it took. Like Brandon, you need help writing a proposal. I'm there. Brandon, you need me on a plane to pitch a, a multi $10 million deal. I'm there. Brandon, we need to go to a conference and you think I need to go in for just one day and it's in San Francisco. I'm there. This guy would just like, he didn't have to micromanage me because he knew I would do whatever it takes with my team to win. Yep. But anytime I struggled, I'd pull him in and be like, Hey, what is your input here? What, what is your advice? What do you think about this positioning? What do you think about this competitive hundred page RFP response? Cause like you're working multi-million dollar deals. You got to put together like 50, hundred page RFP proposals. I'd bring him into anything and he would just be like, I knew he was managing 10 other teams and like he would just do whatever it takes to support me. So when I launched Seamless, you know, 
I took that whatever whatever it takes mentality to just lead by example and and just I did all the work cuz at first you have to do all the work as a sales leader cuz I didn't have a CRO I didn't have a VP of sales so I was doing it all and then when I hired the VP of sales it was like we had two VPs of sales me and my VP of sales cuz we're both aggressive sales leaders so we got lucky building this like sales leader whatever it takes sales culture like oh you need help uploading a list into Salesforce. I'm available at one. I'll do it if no one else can do it. Like, hey, you need help with a call script and and you don't have marketing's unavailable or the VP of sales is in four back-to-back demos with the AEs. Dude, I'll jump in after the investor call. Like, it just doesn't matter. Whatever it is, you just got to go all out to support your team and to not be lazy. Like, it's easy to like be the pie in the sky sales leader and look at Salesforce, it's really hard to go in and write a sales objection script, write a call script, write content for an RFP, uh, join a demo like every day for four different AEs that need your help on enterprise sales pitches. Like, It's easy to be like, here's the advice, go do it. It's hard to be like, here's the advice. I'm going to let you lead. I'm going to join you so I could coach you after that call or pitch or proposal. And like, really shape the the AEs and the sales leaders to 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 make it happen um it, it's hard to do and i know people are limited on time especially if you're managing thousands of sales le- reps and AEs but you just got to you got to get in the weeds and when people see that you like do the hard stuff that you're telling them to do they just respect you more and they'll work harder because they know like Brandon would do this or Rob would yeah. do this but they're busy I want to do this for them and I don't want to let them down. I'm going to crush it. So do you tell me, I can't wait to hear your take on this one, uh, dude. Do salespeople like, does it freak them out at first to see how, just how helpful leaders can be? Uh, are, are they kind of blown away by that? Are they conditioned to expect that? Do they, do they immediately take it as authentic? I mean, what's, what's your take been on, on a salesperson's response when they get that kind of leadership versus maybe, uh, what they had been receiving in other places. Yeah, it's it's a similar experience to what I had. Like, holy shit. Like, yeah. the, the company has invested so much in my training and my playbooks and the content that I need to utilize. Like, to, to be able to have everything scripted out, like the, the pitch deck, the follow-up, the discovery, the call scripts, the email scripts, the social scripts, uh, the objection handling, the closing, like, and, and I mean, if you go on Amazon, I took my 1500 playbook and I wrote 12 to 15 books and they're all on Amazon. Awesome. I, I, I did what I did with seamless. I'm like, if I die and I've got this 1500 page sales playbook and no one is able to use it, I am hurting the world. I'm doing a disservice to the world because if one salesperson can read one of these books and it helps them pay for their mortgage, pay for their kid's college, bring in a big deal that changes their life that could save their mom from having to go into full-time uh, hospice healthcare at a place that they didn't want to take them. Like, you know, like that's just my thought process of like why I do stuff. Um, you know, we, we took all the playbooks, put it up, put them on Amazon and just, we wanted to give it to the world because like when you do those things for your team to provide them everything they need and you say, Hey, we're giving you the strategy and the execution roadmap, you could personalize it to you and your personality. Not everyone's going to want to do high energy, high confidence, 
like Brandon, but here are all the scripts and ways to do it. And then you can customize it for your own language. Like there's no guessing. Like when you go into the army, you don't guess how to go to war. They train you to go to war and win the battle. Like, and sales is the exact same thing. And I, you know, I, I'm not asking to get hated on people that are listening that that serve in the military about like Brandon's trying to compare sales to war or yeah 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 I'm with you man but but like the whole analogy is like the army and and the the navy and all you know all the 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 platforms that you know people serve on to protect the country they train you like crazy every day of the week for years right yep and if we do the same for sales. And they know what to do in every situation because you've provided them that training, that execution plan, that strategy. You will never lose and you'll be able to 50x, 100x growth because of that. Yeah, I, lo- I actually love that analogy. In fact, our head of sales is a, is a veteran. And so I, I'm with you, You're right? You, you don't want to practice on your customers, man. You don't want the first time that you try this, you're facing live bullets. You, you just don't want that. I'm with you. So, listen, we're starting to run low, and then there's two ways that I want to I want to get on. I want to finish this up and, and make sure we have enough time to explore these things with, with enough depth. First of all, thanks, man. I love your energy. I love your insight. I love your approach. I mean, really cool approach to building teams in a really authentic way. So I want to I want to just put on the table as sales leaders, we know we have to run to the scoreboard. The scoreboard matters. Sales matters. Our job is to hit numbers. Fair to say? Oh, 1,000%. Okay, so other than that, let's, let's take scoreboard off the table then. How do you know you're like having an impact with your team in ways other than scoreboard? I, I think the number one thing you can do is, is shadow your reps and provide actionable coaching and actionable scoring. Like, I know we don't sit on as many calls and meetings and pitches as we need to with our reps, but like when we do, we've got, uh, I think it's like a 15 step scorecard. All my, my sales leaders, they have to score the rep, provide notes for, for each scoring category. It's easy to tell the reps, like have, have better confidence on a call, increase your tonality, <laughs> Uh, make sure you use this type of script to overcome. I'm not interested. It's too expensive. Already working with someone. Send me more info. I need to talk to my boss. Unsubscribe. You name it, right? Like, it's easy to tell them what to say. But the only way that you know, like, are they improving? How are they doing? Is to sit in and and shadow your reps. So, like, the, in addition to the scoreboard, I think shadowing your reps as much as possible is critical but but having a um, systematic scalable scorecard and system where you're doing that once a week, twice a week, once a month, you name it, whatever your capacity can handle. And then um, daily training, like it's hard, but dude, I believe in daily role playing and I believe in daily okay. training. Every day we have a sales stand up for 30 minutes and this people could think this is excessive. Like we've got a highly remote sales team. Yep. Every day we get on the call for 30 minutes and we go over something that we train on, you know, it's I need like, to pick topics for that. That's, that's a really cool insight that I think our, our listeners, I want to push pause on that a little bit. How, how do you pick your insights and your topics for the daily standup, particularly with a remote team? 
Yeah, I, I think it's a, a few things. One, the the areas that you see weakness in the team, you know, that that's an easy one. Where you see weaknesses, train on. Where you see strengths, train on. Also asking your team. Like as sales leaders, like I'm always asking my team. I, I ask my team every day, what can we be doing for you to maximize your sales success? Like I I own, I got to own their, their sales success and so does my VP of revenue. Every day we're asking them, what could we doing? What could we be doing more of to help maximize your sales success? What are we not doing that is holding you back in Salesforce, in outside sales, in inside sales? Like, so it's a lot of seeing what's working well, what's not working, coaching on those, and then also asking your team. I don't think we ask our team enough questions about what they need help on, or what's slowing them down, or what's speeding them up. I ask every day, almost everyone on the team, <laughs> what can we do more to 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 fifty x the growth of the business from everyone. I love it. So people are conditioned to that. So we're not asking because something's wrong. We're asking because we just want to make sure that we we always are getting something right. Yeah, like we do. I mean, we've had record growth every month. Like we're growing at at you know double digit growth rates you know, some months triple digit growth rates in ARR and MRR. And I, I, every day I still ask like, guys, this is great. But like, what could we be doing better to, to, to get in triple digit growth rates every month to get in double digit growth rates every month? Like, this is great, but like, we could have done way more. Like, what could we be doing to drive even more revenue, even more sales? And by the way, we need to all keep challenging ourselves to do more and to figure this out to scale faster and smarter and better because if I could help you guys make more money and we could all be doing more, like everyone's going to win from SDRs. They're going to make more money. AEs, they're going to make more money. Company's going to make more money, more money. The company makes more reward for everyone. You know, whether it's promotions, whether it's bonuses, whether it's commissions, you name it. So I think we trained everyone to be highly vocal about what's working well, what's not working well. And then really diagnosing, like if there's anything holding us back, what is it? We need to hear about it right away. Like, don't waste an ounce of time. I don't, I don't politically judge anyone. The person that sits back and says nothing throughout their tenure is like the person that I worry the most about. Like, I want the people that are winning to talk about it. I want the people that are losing to talk about it. And I, I want to hear about it so that we can improve. We're in this constant state of improvement. I think that comes from when I got my ass kicked with my second startup. You know, my first startup, you know, did the one, the three, and the six million in sales, and it made me egotistical. I didn't listen to anyone. I wasn't coachable. I wasn't hungry. I thought I knew it all. And then I got my ass kicked, lost millions, mm. and my second company made no money. I lost everything I made from my first company. And, like, luckily that happened because it made me so damn humble and hungry. Like, I could get to $100 million in sales at Seamless. And like, I'm still going to be the same way I am today. Like, we're not good enough. We're a scale of one to 10 for our customers, one to 10 for our employees. We need to get to 10. What can we be doing right now to get to 10? I love it, dude. You know what? That might be the best uh, piece of advice our listeners can get from this interview is don't let your success from yesterday or last quarter or last year get in the way of what you're going to do today, right? I mean, do not let that happen. And I, I think that what you just described is a really easy thing to have happen, that you get into this 
hey man, look at look at me. I'm, I'm look how good I am. I, I love that because I believe that teams are a reflection of leadership, Brandon. And you're clearly pretty authentic in this approach, and I love how open you are about it. And it's pretty interesting to see how your team has responded. That they feel very safe uh, in sharing, whether it's for good or for bad. That they don't feel like if I say something that you're not going to like, my head's going to get chopped off. I feel like that's such a critical part of a culture of innovation rather than just production. Yeah, you, you have to look at it. Everything's a problem that needs solved. And every with every problem comes opportunity. And, and yeah, like when I was at IBM, if I brought something up, my, my, my sales revenue officer would get on my ass and chew me up about it. Where like all I needed was to just like brainstorm ways to solve the problem and at, at Google, it was the exact opposite. Like, how do we solve the problem? How do we keep moving forward? And then I just took like what I learned from, from Google and, and try to 50 exit here. At yeah. And uh, yeah, you, you just got to have that mindset. And the Super Bowl is played every day. The daily oh, KPIs, you back up that revenue number to the daily KPIs. Like I don't, I don't look at, I don't celebrate annual numbers. I celebrate daily numbers. So and, good. And the daily KPIs, the daily Super Bowl, like who won the Super Bowl today? Your rent is due every day. We've all seen the the poster of that football player. I forget who it was. Yep. But like rent is due every single day, and I believe that. Like I, I love that one, by the way. Yeah, yeah love like it. It's love it. So true. Like you got to stay humble and you got to stay hungry. And um, I it, when you start comparing yourselves to to like billionaires, like you just realize you're nothing. Like. People will be like, oh, yeah, I got this sick car and I got this big house. And it's like, okay, well, like, do you have your own island? Like, <laughs> no, you don't. Like, have you built a billion-dollar company like Mark Benioff? No. Like, have you impacted a billion people? No. Like, that's who, like, I compare myself to, to trying to positively impact a billion people. And I'm a one out of ten until I get to billion. And then once I get to billion, I'm going to be a two out of ten. And then mm-hmm. once I get to two billion people positively impacted, I'm a three out of ten. Like, you kind of set the standard really, really high and to just, you know, we're here to serve. And if you just care about your team and you do whatever it takes to help them solve all the problems, create the opportunity, close the deals, you're, you're going to win. And it's a long game. Like, you know, in sales, like I don't play the, the day, the month, the quarter, the year, like I play the decade and nice. I know like, I look at it as a decade. Like, even if you know you're going to leave a company in less than 10 years, like, play the decade game, the, the 10 year game. Like, I'm playing the 10 year game at building seamless. Like, play the 10 year game in your sales VP role and just know, like, everything you do, you're playing for that long game. Don't play the big short, play the long game. And, and it pays off because you've got that compounding interest. Oh, I don't want to role play every day. It's a pain in the ass. Well, like, just remember, like, that yeah. role playing is going to not have an impact on day one or day 10 or day 30. It's going to have a massive impact on, on day one through 30 and day 60, day 90, you know, a year, six years from now, you name it. Like you'll have record days because of that role play and that Pay the rent, baby. Pay the rent. Shadowing. All right, dude, we are done on time. So I got to finish with the rapid fire that I finish every single episode with. You ready? Yes, let's do it. Okay, number one, biggest sales leadership challenge, and how do you overcome it? I I would say actionable coaching. You know, it's easy to tell people what to do. It's harder for them to to listen and execute. So give them the feedback and then watch them execute and coach them 
so that they nail it. And we covered this a lot with like the shadowing and the role play, yep. shadow them on their calls, role play with them and see them take your input and actually put it to action. That's the only way to figure that out. I love it. That's a good one and a good answer. I, I love that one. Number two, this is a, a, a recent add to the podcast based on popular requests from our listeners. Can't wait to hear your answer based on stuff you've shared with me already. Uh, your favorite interview question when interviewing reps, what's your kind of go-to that's your litmus test question? Oh, the, the, okay. So mine about interviewing new sales reps. Yeah. Tell me about, you know, tell me about the story of your life Ooh. and every single decision that you made and, and why. Like, tell me about your life the decisions that you made throughout your life to get to where you're at today and why. And that just opens up like a can of worms to understand what motivates them, what inspires them, their decision-making, their strategy. Like walk me through your life, the decisions that you made and why. I love it. That's going to give you all kinds of insight that what I love is it makes it so you don't even have to be really that scripted on your other interview questions. You can learn a lot by just going through their story, can't you? Yeah, and I want to see, like, are they empathetic? Are they coachable? Uh, do they strive for greatness? Can they overcome adversity? Do they have grit? Like, if you've if you've had this, like, average life where you just did things just to get by and you never faced adversity and you never gave it your all and you never hustled, you never worked your ass off, and you're not coachable and you don't have the grit. Like that's what I'm looking for when I ask those questions. Like love it. It's good, dude. We're done, man. Last question. And I can't, again, again, I know enough about you that this will be a fun answer too. We found that leaders are readers. The greatest ones don't have that ego that say, I already got this. I got it. I know it all. And I don't, when I say leaders are readers, it doesn't have to be the printed word. It could be things you read, things you listen to. What what are the great sources of information? Is there one or two things that you would recommend that people that want to be as great a leader as possible should be making sure they're sticking to their head right now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in addition to having Seamless.ai, the world's best sales leads, to help me, like, 10x my income, the, the second biggest driver to my success was buying every single sales book. on it, At the time, it was Barnes & Noble and, and Borders books. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll make sure everybody got that. You this you just buy every single sales book available on, on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Did I so, hear that right? Yeah, like literally, like <laughs> I love like, it. I, I mean, from when I was twenty one, you know, like I I joined IBM. I think at twenty three or whatever after my second company failed and lost everything I owned. Like I I literally was going into enterprise sales and I didn't know shit about it. And I bought Jill Conrad selling to big companies, and then I bought Anthony Arenos. Then I bought you know, uh, Keith Rosen's, then yep. Jason Jordan's, and then Mark Hunter's, and then Jeb Blunt, and then Jeffrey Gitterberg. Like, I, I literally bought every single sales book, read one a week, and um, but and then applied them. And, yeah, and then applied them. Like, if you read and you don't take action immediately, you're, you're doing a disservice to yourself. I bought every book uh, in sales, read it, apply it, take notes. Um, but that's why we wrote secretsalesbook.com. And, and Rob, you're in the book, which is really exciting. But I was like, it took me a decade to buy and read every single book. We interviewed every single sales author, sales expert in the world. The one book you need 
is secretsalesbook.com. Sales secrets from the top 1% where the world's best sales experts share their secrets to sales success. Guys like Rob and every single person that Rob's interviewed and all the top sales authors out there in the world, we've interviewed them on their number one top sales secret. Go to secretsalesbook.com, order the book, pre-order it today. They'll be live here shortly. And uh, we interview all the best on their number one sales secret, how to execute the secret and why it's important. Top book, it distills down everything that everyone knows into one chapter per sales expert. And uh, you'll be off to the races. And of course, go to seamless.ai and join seamless.ai for free. Type in sales leadership podcast in the referral code. And Rob and I've got a special gift for you. Hundreds of free leads free license. Go on there today. Sales Leadership Podcast. Type in the referral code at seamless.ai. Takes two seconds to sign up. Hey, man, I appreciate it. So the, the, you finished the way I want to go. How do they get more of you? How do they get more of Seamless? You got half of it there. You, you've already shared how to connect with Seamless. How do they connect with Brandon, though, if they want to continue the conversation and get I more am, of what you're laying down, bud? I am 18 hours a day, seven days a week on LinkedIn. I post every hour, every other hour on LinkedIn, unique content, sharing strategies, tips, best practices. I accept every LinkedIn connection request. We go LinkedIn live. We share videos. We share tips, content, you name it. And then that also gets posted on the Seamless.ai newsletter. So uh, follow me, connect with me on LinkedIn, as well as uh, join Seamless.ai, the world's best sales leads for free. Brandon, you've been amazing. This was a killer episode. Thanks so much for being willing to join us. Thanks so much for sharing some of your insights about how you make that shift from uh, the dictator to the inspirational servant leader. Uh, I can't thank you enough, man. It's been a fantastic episode. Thanks so much, my man, and happy selling to you. Hey, thank you, everyone, for listening in. And uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, I believe I'm a 1 out of 10 in sales management and sales leadership. So any of you out there listening who have any advice, strategies, tips for us, for me, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to connect with you. Uh, we're in the we're all in this long game, and I know how much revenue and how much stress we all have. So let's work together and make it happen and, and absolutely dominate our sales goals. And thank you so much, Rob, for having me on the show. Truly appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And Brandon Bernanson was a, a great guest. It was fun to have him on. I love his perspective. He's made a lot of noise uh, in the marketplace. Uh, he's built a pretty good brand pretty fast. Uh, you don't have to be very active uh, without having seen Brandon. And, I, and I'm impressed by his grind. I'm impressed by his effort. Uh, I'm impressed by his commitment to building his company. And having him on the show was awesome. It was really cool to get some insight to what makes his motor run. And if I had to boil down my interview with Brandon to one word, it would be obsession. He talked about obsession uh, early in the interview, obsession with customer results. He wants to make sure his customers get the world's greatest leads. He's obsessed with his customer, with his employees' experience working for him. Uh, he wants to make sure that he helps them ramp faster, do better, have more success. He, he's obsessed with making sure every detail is, is ready. He's obsessed with making sure he's done everything he can and he leaves nothing to chance. I love the obsession. I mean, I found it contagious. I found it pretty cool. And it made me sit back and say, man, as sales leaders, I love this example he set on look in the mirror, not out the window. 
I see a lot of leaders that are happy to stand in front when it's the earnings call and they hit their number, but they have excuses at the ready when it's the earnings call and they missed. And when you listen to Brandon, you really get the idea that, that as a leader, he says, I own all of it, right? Success or failure, I'm going to make sure that I leave nothing to chance. So I love this attitude of look in the mirror. And there's a lot of things that he looked to to help him raise his game. One of my favorite parts of the interview was him being really open and honest that sales leadership was something that he had to learn and, and develop his skills. And I appreciated that because I relate to it because I had a very similar story. And I think a lot of sales leaders are unwilling to say that leadership is a skill I got to build. Uh, you get that position and you just want followers. And, and Brandon's story just really, really spoke to me because I had a similar one of you You don't want to just have positional leadership. You need to have at least that permission leadership where people follow you because they want to. And there's a lot of places you can learn. You can learn from your experience. He talked about his experience being a great teacher. You can learn from mentors. Uh, you, one of the things that I found is saddling up next to people that are better than you, that are more experienced than you, that have done what you're trying to do. Uh, find those people. Find three, four, five of those people. Connect to them. Get to know them. Um, and be very intentional, though, about your experience and how it teaches you and how mentors can teach you. I, I think those are two things that are very important. I, I also think that his approach to the word everything is worth talking about. And he just really has this attitude that everything matters. And one of his, his favorite quotes that he gave in this, this interview was, that if you're willing to do the hard things and get in the weeds and really roll up your sleeves with your reps, they will appreciate you and they will respect you. And that gives you the right to ask the question that he said is the most important question. How do we do more? How do we go faster? How do we do better? He, you know, he asks that to people every day. He, he's got a commitment to never stop challenging himself. And it goes back to his obsession. And it really finishes with his willingness to say, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not doing. He is in there doing it, and that's why I would be willing to bet he has a healthy dose of respect from his reps. Um, finish the interview. I really liked his how he touched on not letting success fuel your ego and have your ego stop you from growing and improving and changing. Uh, if there's a couple of words that he said many times, I think servant leadership was the most common thing that he said. He, he's clearly obsessed with that, focused on that. And... To finish this off, when I was listening to him talk about the rents due every day and that he celebrates daily wins and daily things rather than just waiting for the monthlies or quarterlies, it reminded me of a really famous baseball quote by Babe Ruth when he said, yesterday's home runs don't win today's games. I think as sales leaders, we need to be really focused about today's game. We need to celebrate when we win. We need to celebrate when we have breakthroughs. But then we need to forget about it and get back to doing what works and we got to get back to helping ourselves improve and change and develop. And if we find ourselves doing the same thing for very long, we probably are now out of touch with our market. So we have to have that humble attitude of how do I get better? How do I go faster? What else can I do? And you'll have the kind of success that Brandon's had. I mean, he dropped some numbers in there. They built a really successful company really fast. Uh, my advice, follow him. Get a hold of some of his stuff. Uh, watch what he's putting down. He puts out a lot of content uh, that's generally about just helping improve the profession. Uh, you'll find him with a lot of great high-energy stuff. And my advice is connect with Brandon, follow him, uh, give, 
give him a chance to uh, show what he can do, and I think you'll find it'll help you be a more if more impactful leader. Thanks again for listening. We got some great leaders coming in the next couple of weeks, uh, but a shout to Brandon Bernanson for joining us. Um, give him a check out what he's doing out there at Seamless, and as always, don't worry, just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.